the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in the one, the only, the Rob Black Show. Rob Black and your money. A show that has your money in it. It's a great chance for you to head on over and let's chat it up on how to get you to retirement. Very light volume has created an opening for swing trading today. Uh, It is into the summer, so there's a lot of whipsaw action going on. Very thinly traded market means, you know, three buys feels like a, a rush to buy. Three sells feels like everyone's going for the door, but it's only three. And the next three may even it out. So this morning, there was some preliminary ma- purchasing managers index readings for August out of Europe. They were a little softer than the prior month. But the services readings were somewhat firmer. Most economies, not most economies, but some economies are services-oriented, like the United States. Some of them are manufacturing-oriented. Um, so it's, it's a mixed bag out of Europe, but I would say it's leaning towards positive. Key takeaway from the report is that activity in the Eurozone doesn't appear to have been too disrupted by the Brexit. People still need to eat. People still need to fuel their vehicles. People still need new vehicles. People still need to go to work, get their paycheck, and spend it. The firmness in the European markets has created a supportive tone for the U.S. market. And the market opened higher on that news. Best Buy, though, also helped. Better than expected fiscal second quarter earnings report, which uh, was replete with better than expected same-store sales and increased full-year guidance. Closely watched oil prices are down about 46.93 a barrel. Concerns about supply bills and OPEC being unlikely to agree to production freezes have reportedly taken some wind out of oil prices. Let's bring in CFP, Chad Burton. Talk a little financial planning to help round out this segment. Welcome in, CFP, Chad Burton. We're talking retirement issues. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. If you have retirement issues, financial planning issues, he's your man. Let's talk about retirement and cost associated with it. I know everyone thinks of, oh, I'm going to have to spend money on a vacation. Oh, I'm going to have to spend money on children. That's kind of like a living cost. 
And then there's the health care cost with Medicare. Let's talk about the tax cost in retirement. What can you tell us that we need to know? Well, everybody's different, so you can't use any kind of rule of thumb. Um, <laughs> there, we always come back to rule of thumb. Yeah, well, because the, they're most of the time worthless. Okay. Uh, people retire with different types of accounts, whether it's low basis stock, high basis stock, cash that's not taxed, certain amount of muni funds that are tax-free bonds, 401ks that are 100% taxable when you pull them out, Roths that are tax-free. You really have to run simulations once you figure out how much you're going to spend in retirement, then you got to model your portfolio withdrawals so you can model what your tax bill is going to be. you got to realize at age 70, you have to pull money out of your 401Ks and, Roth, and, and IRAs, and uh, not Roths, but your, your pre-tax retirement accounts, and your tax bill can change again. So you have to model those out, and that is one of the biggest failures. So modeling, not modeling inflation and not modeling the correct tax bill in retirement is two of the biggest mistakes people make when they're trying to do things on their own. And then not realizing certain extra hidden tax traps. Uh, people that take a lot of gains one year in their portfolio, sell a real estate property, whatever. It can cause their Social Security to be either more taxable or taxed. And so Social Security, if, if one half of your Social Security plus all your other income, including tax-free bonds, is that if that's over 42000 85% of your Social Security is taxable. A lot of people don't factor that in. If you make over a certain amount, you could pay two to three times as much for your Medicare Part B called a surtax that people might not be thinking about. Sir? Surtax. Sir, I'm going to give you a tax bill. <laughs> so it's only for sirs. Madams, they do not have to pay. <laughs> oh, good God. It's, I'm going to be honest with you, Chad. This sucks. I, you know, I, right now you're, you're basically ruining my life. You're talking about taxes and retirement. We have a plague of people being not prepared for retirement or retiring too early. It is literally, it's like, it's, it's the apocalypse of retirement planning. Every day I add up my money, like Scrooge McDuck. I count every single coin. Do you every bathe si- in it? Sometimes. I can smell that. I do pearls. <laughs> I add up everything that I own, right? I'm like one, two, three. I suggest and then I go, normal bathing, by the way. Long story short, the thing that I, I hate is, like, let's just hypothetically say I'm worth $8 million. I'm really not worth $8 million because taxes automatically are going to suck part of that out. Right. Whether it's when I die on an estate or whether I'm, I'm spending money, like taxes just, they're a, a silent killer in retirement. Yeah. You know, if you're worth $8 million and you die yeah, and you haven't done any correct estate planning, okay, anything over 5.2, well, about 5.35 million now with, with inflation is taxed at starting at, you know, 40% rates on up. So you're talking about, oh, you've died, you're successful, you've made a lot of money. Uh, Uncle Sam, give him a couple million bucks. Here's what I'm, I'm I'm planning on for death and retirement is I'm gonna let my bastard children fight for the money with Uncle Sam, literally Uncle Sam. I've got an uncle named Sam, <laughs> and then I'm gonna bring the real Uncle Sam in government, the IRS, and they're all gonna fight for it. Sweet. <laughs> you should buy items with all of your money that are really hard to sell and liquidate. Like what? I, I don't know. I don't know. How about uh, a yacht? Toys like collectible toys or comic <laughs> books. GI Joes. Just loads and loads of it, so your kids have to spend, like, months and months and months on eBay trying to get rid of the stuff. And then I should leave, like, just strange things to the children. <laughs> I, I bequeathed my... The treasure hunts? My, my bastard <laughs> child. Exactly, a treasure hunt. Everything is, is left as a treasure hunt. My throne, and it will be like a toilet. <laughs> <laughs> my throne and all the wealth inside of it. Um, anyway, that's CFP Chad Burton. Um, anything else that we need to know as far as taxes in retirement? Like, can you even plan for this? Yeah, you can. You can... 
you can plan for it for sure. You have I mean, to plan for it. If you're retiring without a detailed cash flow analysis, yeah. you are insane. It just it, it's crazy how many people cuz again, I I've said this before, but the difference between if if you're retiring at 64 and running a simulation where you have you know, you're running out of money at age 85, 90, if you worked two more years, you'd have enough money to last till age 100. Just just a couple more years because if you think about it, rather than drawing on your portfolio for two years, you're not only feeding it, but it's also compounding. And so it's like, you know, it gets you so far ahead with compound numbers that you're, you, you really need to model your success rate. You need to have conservative growth estimates in your portfolio, higher than expected taxes um, and inflation to make sure you have enough. I've heard that there's some Ameriprise financial planners or financial people, because they're not really planners, that they'll actually give you a financial plan with a pistol. And basically, like, just in case this doesn't work out the way I think it does... <laughs> no comment. No comment. Don't tie me to that, that well, no, comment said, in any way, shape, or form. No, you said <laughs> to make it last till 85. But just in case just I was wrong with case. some assumptions. Anyway, you can find CFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. He is a great financial planner. Um, follow him at KDOW uh, on AM1220. Show from 1 to 2, New Focus on Wealth. CFP Chad Burton, newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, more. You can find me at Rob Black Show. Got a new seminar coming up in September. You can sign up for it today at robblackshow.com. If you want to sign up early and get a discount, i.e. free, drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com, and say I want to go to the September 10th event. Um, U.S. new home sales raced to a nine-year high in July. Um, that feels good. You know, new construction homes. Um, they unexpectedly rose in July, reaching their highest level in nearly nine years as demand increased broadly. Um, last month's surprise increase pushed new home sales well above their second quarter average. Tightening the labor market conditions, which are steadily lifting wages, as well as mortgage rates near historic lows, are supporting housing. Best Buy stock is soaring today after strong earnings. We'll talk about this and much, much more as the show goes on. Find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. Thanks for listening to the show. This week going on at the Marriott Marquis is the Money Show. San Francisco. August 23rd through the 25th. You can sign up for the event in San Francisco at SanFranciscoMoneyShow.com. That's SanFranciscoMoneyShow.com. Joining me now to talk about one of his presentations, Dr. Robert Eisenbeis. I hope I got that close. Serves yep. as Cumberland Advisors Vice Chairman and Chief Monetary Economist. So we got someone good to talk to. How are you doing, sir? Very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. So give us a little uh, who you are background. Sure. Um I am uh, formerly, before I became vice chairman at uh, Cumberland Advisors, I was executive vice president and director of research at the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta for some 
uh, 11 years, and so I had attended uh, FOMC meetings and the like and was in charge of monetary policy in terms of advising the president of the Atlanta Bank in terms of what positions he should take at the FOMC. Uh, before that, uh, I was at UNC in Chapel Hill for several years and spent two times at the Federal Reserve Board in Washington as well as a turn at the FDIC. Excellent. Good stuff. Um, getting into your content at the San Francisco Money Show, uh, do you know what you're going to be talking about? Or I'm not going to say do you wing it, but it has to be kind of dynamic as well. Well, it is dynamic, but uh, of course everybody's interested in what the Fed uh, is going to say and what the Fed is going to do. So uh, that's really what I'm going to concentrate on and sort of try to lay out what the FOMC uh, said uh, in July, uh, how it described the economy, uh, when it left policy unchanged, and also uh, what kinds of factors would vector into uh, a decision that it might make make either at the September meeting or the upcoming September meeting or sometimes later. Obviously, market speculation has moved that the Fed uh, will uh, make a move in September, so uh, obviously this is something that's on everybody's mind. So we came into the year expecting maybe four interest rate hikes, and you're thinking maybe one more in September. Two and done? Two and wait and see? Or do they be proactive so they don't have to do seven in a row, seven months in a row? Well, I never thought they expected four rate hikes last December. I said at two was the max uh, because there were a lot of people who were – what, what what people miss when they look at those dot charts is everybody was focusing on the median, but the median doesn't vote. There were a lot of people below the median, and those are the people who count, and those are the ones who voted. So uh, I never did think that there was going to be uh, a rate hike in uh, or four rate hikes, and I would be surprised to see uh, anything more than one this year. Uh, okay. So there's there's several reasons for that. First of all. Um, you have to look at what information the Fed is going to have uh, by the time it gets to its September meeting that it doesn't already have. And the only thing it's going to have is one more reading on the revised GDP for the second quarter and one more piece of information on inflation and one more labor market uh, uh, report. And uh, it's going to take... A, a pretty significant uh, increase in the inflation rate, which I don't see on the table at all, for them to really feel any sense of urgency to move at this point in time. And uh, I think it, it's important to note that the only pieces on the macro side that they would have come from the beige book, uh, and of course, lots of segment uh, sector pieces of information, but the beige book would give them a view of what the overall level of economic activity was. I found it interesting that in the last page book, the majority of the district banks characterized economic growth as modest, whereas in the FOMC statement, they used the word moderate. Well, those who are into Fed speak know that moderate means something like 1.8 to 2% growth. Modest means something less than that. So I'm going to be looking for words like that uh, this time around, and remember, everybody got really burned when they project uh, for the second quarter GDP number. Everybody was thinking two and a half percent, and it came in at one point two. So I don't see them wanting running the risk of 
another kind of error like that, just based on a, on a guess as to what the number is. Speaking with Robert Eisenbeis with Cumberland Advisors, um, many years of experience inside the industry. What's your thoughts on negative interest rates? We've seen this kind of, I guess, new monetary tool, or relatively new to me at least. Uh, what are your thoughts on how does it work? Is it working? Is it a good idea, a bad idea, or let's wait and well, see? I think it's a bad idea because of the dislocations that it causes. And uh, we're seeing that happen right here in the, in the United States. A lot of people don't realize that uh, right now, 40% of the reserves, excess reserves at the, being held at the Fed are uh, owned by foreign institutions, and they only have 9% of the deposits in the United States. Why is that? Well, they have a choice of either paying their central bank 40 basis points, holding uh, reserves uh, in Europe, for example, or Japan, and uh, the alternative is to get 50 basis points here in the U.S., a 90-day basis point differential. If you look across the term structure, the differential between the negative rates in Europe and the United States are anywhere from that 90 basis points that I talked to to well over 200 basis points. That means the U.S. is really attractive, and uh, that means that institutions aren't really anxious to uh, make loans or anything else in Europe or any of these other countries and uh, funds are going to be flowing into the United States and have flowed into the United States, puts downward pressure on our overall term structure, and uh, it's causing a lot of dislocations. So I'm not a fan of uh, negative interest rates at all. Sounds good. We're starting to run down on time. Is there anything that you can tell me about the U.S. economy, like what shape we're in, can you give us a grade on jobs, are we okay, are we going towards the cliff? What are your thoughts, sir? I see no signs of a recession whatsoever, which is one of the things people are concerned about. And we're sure. looking at growth in the vicinity of 1.8 to 2%. And uh, it's going to take some fiscal policy uh, and fiscal policy changes uh, to try to stimulate uh, aggregate demand at this point. The consumer is doing very well. The most recent numbers showed consumers c- contributed 2.83% to real GDP growth. So the consumer is healthy. Uh, the problem is investment and productivity. Thanks very much for joining me, sir. Have a good week at The Money Show. It's Robert Eisenbeis, um, Dr. Robert Eisenbeis. I should throw that in there. It's Cumberland Advisors, Vice Chairman, Chief Monetary Economist. A lot of good content there. You can find out more about the San Francisco Money Show by going to, oddly enough, SanFranciscoMoneyShow.com. It's August 23rd through 25th this week at the Marriott Marquis. Um, there is 65 of the nation's leading investment experts. Clearly, you can see this guy has a big brain full of content that is pretty digestible. A um, couple of words that you know might go over your head, but I think you'll get the gist of what he's trying to say. I love events like this. Um, exhibit halls, uh, workshops. I'm not so much about the workshops, but I love the investment experts hearing them talk. You can sign up for the event at SanFranciscoMoneyShow.com.
visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. One of my favorite financial people in the world, Patrick O'Hare from briefing.com, also one of my favorite sites to visit on a daily basis. Um, if you're looking for a stock market update, if you're looking for breaking news, if you're looking for kind of analyst reactions to stocks, if you're looking for IPOs and what are they telling us as far as what are the grades look like on these guys? Are they good IPOs, bad IPOs? Uh, what's coming out? Tech, biotech, uh, healthcare? It tells you what's going on in the economy, and it's pretty fascinating stuff, at least for me. Uh, welcome, Mr. O'Hare. How are you? Hi, Rob. Thanks for those kind words. I'm uh, doing well. Thank you. Yeah, I do... I think what some guys are are to sports enthusiasm, I'm too financial, and I'm not going to say like it's it's like I could do this all day because at some point I'd get tired. But it is I, studying Europe and studying oil and softening dollar and you know learning you know the only number that means anything to me is the jobs number, inflation. Let it it'll be okay. Autos, it's okay, but I, I find it educational and rewarding. Because you can become a better investor and you know save more for retirement. I'm with you, Rob. I, uh, okay. I've been getting up at you know 4 a.m. for 20 years now, and and uh, <laughs> I look forward to it, <laughs> quite frankly, because um, I'm just excited and uh, interested to see well, you know what happened in the five or six hours I was sleeping, <laughs> and uh, and taking it from there and trying to make some sense of it for our readers uh, in terms of the big picture takeaway and uh, and even what it might mean for the market on that specific uh, trading day. And sometimes you think you know you're going to hit a home run and something totally different happens, but that's all good. And hopefully when you and I retire, we'll be able to sleep past 434 in the morning. Right. Uh, that's <laughs> that's another story. That's yeah. a couple years away. Uh-huh. Um, Markets, um, end of summer, a little complacency going on, very low level of VIX, very thin trading. Should we, uh, what should we know going into the fall? Well, I think uh, the one thing we should know is that it's not going to stay this way. Um, I, I do have to say, again, uh, citing my years of experience, I, I don't recall um, in August being quite this quiet, this slow, if you will, um, and, and this overbearing sense, really, that, you know, uh, that the lack of participation is driven by uh, presumption that there's some bad news that's going to end the party, you know, uh, that's out there on the horizon that's going to end the party. It's, it's, it's a really strange feeling, quite honestly. That you have the major indices sitting here at record highs, uh, and it seems as if no one wants to be a part of that. Um, and so... Uh, you just have this pervasive sense of, uh, I think, anxiety here uh, amongst fund, ma- fund managers in particular who recognize that, you know, they may need, need to be involved uh, as they, you know, work against, you know, benchmarks. Uh, but at the same time, I think you've got a lot of people sitting there on the sidelines knowing full well that uh, in periods where rates have been held so low for so long that you've seen some pockets of speculative excess uh, ultimately crater and create some really um, really worrisome problems. And I think that you're just stuck in the middle there, and that's why there's just not a lot of uh, active participation at the moment. It's funny, because i got a sense of foreboding. I looked at my 401k contributions for the year, and I'm almost up to the maximum. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I bet that's a market top. I bet I'm not going to be able to get at a market low anytime this year. 
But with that well, said, I'm I'm proud. I got it maxed out. It's and I, I mean, you should be, out. and I imagine you you are a proponent of dollar cost averaging anyway. So um, you know, if you have the means to to max out your 401k contribution, then it uh, I think history certainly dictates that it's a you know it's an advisable strategy uh, to do so. <laughs> What's interesting about that is somehow a few years ago I got stuck putting a thousand dollars in a month oh well paycheck. Mm-hmm. So I maxed out in late August, early September, and a wiser person would do a smaller amount and go all twelve months. But in the end, as a financial person, I'm like, it doesn't really matter if I do it in eight months or if I do it in twelve months, as long as I do it. I'd like to do it in twelve months, but I'm not gonna like ruin my day rushing out to spread it out more evenly. Um so sometimes I think Dumb policies or you know passive policies work just as well as active policies in investing. Right, and, and I, I kind of along the same lines there. You know what you're suggesting is, is also is like it's even though as much as you and I in particular really like to watch the markets day to day, I think neither of us would be proponents of trying to you know be market timers really. Um, and uh, and and to your point. You know, you made the contribution when you did, and you're not worried about it, right? In terms of you know missing right. out on those other four months uh, since you had already maxed it out in those first eight months, but um, you know, so I guess, you know, more power to you and congratulations <laughs> to being able to do that. Um, but it's you know that's the probably the broader message for everyone is that uh, trying to time the market is 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 really impossible to do. Um, and so you just kind of have to take stock of what's going on in the market, obviously, and, and look at what's within that, you know, I think within your 401K or, or even a taxable account, really, and, and look at your allocations and, you know, what sectors have gone really well, which ones have not done so well, which markets, which economies, you know, in the same, same vein, and, and, you know, and make, your, make changes accordingly. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, market timing is a very difficult thing to do. So let's change gears and talk about what to expect uh, end of 2016, maybe into 2017. Uh, we've gotten pretty good results this year. I believe about 5% up, near record highs. Not great results, but pretty good. Um, do you see anything, you know, throwing a wrench in it? Is it going to be oil? Is it going to be earnings? Is it going to be revenue? Uh, what could top yeah, us? You know, you know, I think uh, it's probably, you know, what goes on with interest rates? Um, okay, and uh, and uh, you know, and how the Fed and other central banks are influencing the movement of interest rates. Uh, you know, I think we've talked in the past that you know the market can tolerate interest rates that go up, uh, but for the right reasons. Uh, it can tolerate interest rates that go up, but in a gradual manner. So you know, if you get interest rates going up because you know maybe you have inflation that's not accompanied with. Uh, Strong economic growth, you know, i.e., stagflation, that could be worrisome. If you have interest rates that go up in a hurry, uh, because the economy and the data that's coming in is showing that things are a lot better than the Fed even thinks they are, and then you have this sense that the Fed is behind the curve and fighting inflation, that could be problematic. Um, so, I think the trend in interest rates, uh, knowing full well that this market has been supported so strongly. By the downtrend in interest rates, uh, you must take account and must be uh, keeping tabs on what's happening and uh, behind the drivers of, of interest rates, and, and particularly if they're moving higher. So uh, that's something that you want to be on the lookout for as you move to year-end and in, into 2017, because um, a lot of uh, another element that's helping to drive up this market up to keep it propped up really is this idea that you're going to see the economy and earnings growth 
finally accelerate uh, to some acceptable levels again uh, in 2017 or in the next six months, I suppose, because that's been the kind of like the mind of thinking for so long now. And and so you need those things to come to fruition. Otherwise, you start seeing some, um, you know, well Hill money managers questioning valuations a little bit more strongly than they are right now. And certainly those high valuations would come into question if you get a spike in interest rates. So in your big picture column, you recently wrote about some of the things that could go wrong, and one of them is terrorism. And let's talk a little bit about it, because I remember after 9-11, someone called in and said, you know, I'm afraid to go out to malls, or I'm afraid to go out. I said, just yeah. go to a mall. That's like, that's the best thing you could do, um, is spend money, help your country that way. Um, what are your thoughts on terrorism and how it could impact the stock markets and world markets? Sure. Uh, you know, we sadly see, you know, acts of terrorism, you know, almost on a regular basis around the world, and, and they a lot of times they're happening in the Middle East or even in Africa, um, you know, areas that we've grown accustomed to hearing of these, these reports. So it's, it's so the shock effect of, of hearing a headline there is, is not as pronounced as it is when you hear it hitting, a, a you know, a, a Western European country or certainly the United States. So that's, that's one factor that, you know, the market is able to somewhat see through some of these terrorist incidents. So from my perspective, what I think ultimately, uh, as you contemplate terrorism and the potential impact on the market, it will, it will be proportional to what the market perceives as the economic impact is on the global economy. So what happened in France recently, terrible from a human standpoint, um, but the conclusion of the market, which you can see registered in, in you know, these major indices running to record highs, is that it, it really was not going to have a pronounced impact on the global economy. And so I hate to say it, but I think, you know, you need to have an incident that falls perhaps on the scale of 9-11 in one of the world's major economies to really upset the market in a big way uh, and lead to that nesting effect that you were alluding to where consumers essentially are somewhat reluctant to go out uh, into social places out of fear of, you know, a terrorist act, and, and then that can lead to a downturn in consumer spending, uh, which is obviously a really important driver of the U.S. economy. And so um, so that's my general perspective on, on how the market might take uh, to an act of terrorism and, and what potential impact it could ultimately have. But anything shy of a, of a major incident like that, I think that you might get a blip, but ultimately the market comes back around and is able to see through it if it doesn't have a major economic impact. As always, thanks for being on, sir. Uh, excellent work, and I appreciate it. And I highly endorse and support everyone going to briefing.com, checking them out. They're a major um, resource for domestic and international news on a global basis, packaged in a way that's pretty easy to get through. Uh, start simple if you've never done this. Um, start with a big picture column um, by Patrick O'Hare. It's under perspective. Go to the daily uh, page ones. Um, then you can look at live and play. Live and play kind of uh, watch the news in live real time. And if anything intelligent or anything actionable happens, it's out on the wires. Stock moves big or down. You can find it sooner than later. So uh, check it out at briefing.com. That's briefing.com. Black now. 800 516 
800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. The price of the EpiPen is pretty fascinating. You know, it helps kids survive if they have allergies. It sounds like a pretty good idea, right? But a steep price increase in the EpiPen has some people saying, you know, maybe I need it, maybe I don't need it. At one point in time in 2007, it was sold for two pens for 100 bucks, But it's been rising in price. And in 2009, it was $103.50. So it went up 3.5%, right? By July 2013, it was $264, up over 150%. And then it rose another 75% to $461 last May. And people are expecting it to spike as much as $608 this year. There's a lot going on there. But there's a great story on inflation. Things cost more. There's clearly a great story on price gouging, um, unless we do a little bit of work and we find out that you know the cost of the pens or delivering the pens or the uh, regulations on the pens. Unless something like that hap- is happening, you're like you're jerks. But it also tells us that the healthcare system is pretty much so broken, right? Um, I think it's a great healthcare system. So how can it be broken? It seems to be a scenario where you get insurance. You've got a kid who's got a learning disability of reading um, or learning disability of speech, and you talk to your insurance company, and they're like, sure, we'll pay for 20 speech classes per year. You do the 20 speech classes per year. You, They say, make sure you file it with us, and you file it with them, and then they turn you down. Or you get in thinking the EpiPen has a deductible of 15 bucks, $100, and you find out that it doesn't. Um, and I'm not knocking the insurance industry. I think this is way bigger than almost all of us. It's a system that's broken, and it's tough to fix um, because it's a system. I've got a friend who went to medical college to be an oncologist. And he's a smart, smart, smart guy. And he spent a lot of money and a lot of years doing it. And You know, there was a recent report out that said if you turn four years of college into six as an undergraduate, you probably cost yourself you know, two hundred dollars to $300,000 in lost wages and networking and savings and retirement money, um, things along those lines. So how do we tell doctors now, like, we want you to lower your, your costs, and doctors are getting tired of working with the insurance companies and the paperwork that's tied towards them. And then, you know, Obamacare didn't make it easier. Uh, so how do we fix the system? You know, do we go Canadian? Do we, uh, or stay, do we stay more capitalists? It's not that easy. I promise you that. So anyhow, um, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. Some of the top stories today. There's a good article in the New York Times today about rent to own homes and why you should why you should be very nervous doing it. And you know the basic idea is something along the lines of um, it's a home for under hundred thousand dollars and you sign a rent to own agreement 
and it's a pretty gray area. And a lot of people put in rent, and then they put in repairs, and then they get foreclosed, and then they get evicted. I'd be very cautious on these ancillary products. That's why I like to invest in the stock market with investment companies, and I like to invest in. I like to use insurance with insurance companies. So, uh, when you gamble in Vegas, they offer you insurance. I'm like, uh-uh. More often than not, well, there's sometimes you want to use it, but usually not. Uh, but it gets into your head. U.S. new home sales raced to near nine-year high. That's nice to see. New home sales surged 12.4%. People are getting in with low interest rates, which I like. Uh, I did a refinance of a loan that will close this week that I never, ever, ever dreamed I could get that low cost of money. So 2.25%. Um, uh, 3.25%. So, uh, pretty good. So, it'll eventually be, you know, like I said, I could turn it into, quote-unquote, a rental if I need to. Sony's going to reveal two new PlayStation 4 consoles next month. Sony's going to show off a new slimmer version of its current PlayStation 4 console, a smaller and less expensive machine that would go on sale alongside the upgraded 4K PS4. Um... Microsoft is saying, like, some, at some point in time, you won't be able to tell the difference between a PC and an Xbox. Sony still doesn't have that PC angle as well. Delta's offering their pilots a 27% raise. And uh, I look at that, and I, th- I think it's a loser, you know? Not because they don't deserve it, not because they don't want my pilots well paid, but because Delta's going to ultimately, at some point in time, say, you know, Rob wants to fly, we're going to charge him a little bit more money. Because my salary didn't go up 27% last year. Wells Fargo is fined $3.6 million over student loan practices, saying that they must, uh, the government saying that they must reform their practices and pay $3.6 million in fines, saying that they misled student borrowers and resulted in some paying unnecessary fees. Um, Kobe Bryant's going to leverage his global appeal and try to become a tech investor, which he's going to, I like the idea. Yeah, I know you're saying you don't like the idea. I don't like the idea, but I do like the idea. And then I'm like, I don't like the idea. But if there's a partner that you want, is someone that everyone in the world knows who he is. That's good. Now, does he have any experience in picking tech investments? You know, that'll like teach your kids English or Chinese in 30 minutes. Does he have like any super magical powers or can he dribble a ball really well and, and, and run a team and be a great leader? Sure. Um, I like it for the international appeal. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investments, and more. You can find me online at robblackshow.com, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Don't forget, i got a big event coming up in September on retirement issues and uh, dividends and all the basic information you need. So it's for everyone. This is going to be a good event, September 10th. You can sign up for the event at robblackshow.com. Retirement needs a plan. It's hard to know where to begin. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.